Hey, and welcome to Generation Changers Church Podcast. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Barry Smith. We are in the midst of a move of God. We're so grateful for what God is doing in the earth right now. And um, I don't know why, other than I've learned not to question the Lord when he leads in a particular way. Uh, About two years ago, I preached a sermon from this same passage. And last Sunday when I got home, the Lord laid this passage on my heart to speak specifically to our young people today. So if you are a young person, listen close. And if you're a young person with a little more experience, listen close because you are going through the same kind of things, just maybe in different ways. But last week we talked about Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones and how that the Word and the Spirit together brings life to that which is dead. And I believe that, don't you? We also learned that that passage was was, um, shared, or, or the ministry of Ezekiel took place during a time of Babylonian captivity for many of the Hebrews. It's interesting to note that not all of Israel was in Babylon at the time, okay? If you don't know who Israel is, Israel at that time were God's people in the Old Testament. Now, Uh, The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was bent on world domination, and he was conquering lands all around. So Jehoiakim, the king of of God's people in Judah, he he says, you know what, we're going to pledge our alliance to this powerful king so he won't destroy us and take our land. Well, that happened for a while, and they gave to the king of Babylon, paid some homage to him, gave him some money and some artifacts from the temple. But around 601 B.C., and I know you feel like you're going to history class right now, but around 601 B.C., they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon advanced against Egypt, and Egypt pushed back their advance and weakened their army. Jehoiakim, seeing this weakness among Babylon, revoked his alliance. And so Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, their king, laid siege to Judah in 597 B.C. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had forced uh, Judah to become a vassal state. And what that means is they could keep their land and their kingdom as long as they were within, or as long as they remained in alliance with the hostile power that was over them. And it was customary for them to extract uh, these these types of tributes from Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar goes back and gets more of the artifacts from the temple and more money, if you will, from the kingdom. But he did something way beyond that. He kidnapped the brightest and the best of the young people from Judah. He chained them up like animals and led them away from their home to Babylon to become slaves in the king's court. Now, they were also most likely used as hostages to keep Judah from ever uprising against them again. And I got to thinking about that. And you know, the enemy does the same thing to the church today. He gets our young people entangled in stuff to hold us hostage from preaching a gospel that's true and pure. Are you following it? Now, Here's what happened when they got to Babylon. The Bible says the king ordered Aspenaz, his chief of staff, 
to bring them to the palace, uh, bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families, and uh, they had been that had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men. I'm sure I would have gotten captured. <laughs> hey, I have pictures to prove it. This is not all there was. Okay, <laughs> just remember that. My wife married me for a reason. Don't 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 think twice now. What's this? Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment. That would have probably disqualified me as a teenager and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed these with Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Today we look in on these young people under fire. And when you see what was taking place in the culture of Babylon, you will see that in today's culture, young people are still under fire. I want to begin talking about the pressure you're under. Nebuchadnezzar had a sinister plan to brainwash the young people of Judah and completely disconnect them from their relationship with God. He targeted the brightest and the best among them. He wanted influencers that other people would follow. It's interesting that the word influencer is pretty big in today's culture, isn't it? Somebody says, what do you do? Well, I'm an influencer. No, what do you do? I get on social media and talk about crazy stuff to get people to think the way that I do. I'm an influencer. They use it in advertising. But there, there, there are strategic people, I believe, in today's culture that the enemy wants to use to influence our young people. Okay? Now, At first glance, Babylon seems very kind and very welcoming to the young people. Everything was free. Education was free. No more student loans. Wiped out. Food and beverages were provided. They lived on government assistance. I'd like to say how socialistic of Babylon that was. See, you think this stuff is new in the culture? It's been around a long time. But watch this. They didn't have to worry about entrepreneurialism or innovation. Not at all. They were trained to serve at the pleasure of the government. How communistic of Babylon that was. At first glance, though, all the free stuff and all the efforts they poured into the young people looked very caring and very welcoming. But there was evil afoot. Because here's some of the things that aren't told. Are you ready? First thing they did to these young men that entered the king's service is, and pardon the reference, they castrated them. Aspenaz was the chief of eunuchs. A eunuch was a man who had been emasculated or castrated. When you entered the the king's service, they castrated you for a couple of reasons. Number one, so there would be no fraternizing with the king's wives. He was very possessive of them. But secondly, they wanted those young men to be so emasculated 
that they would never have the courage to ever rise up against the king in any way. But in addition to their gender being attacked, moving them from a place of really to gender neutrality, this would keep the brightest and the best of God's children from ever reproducing more kingdom children. Okay? Some of you are going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm rolling up my pants legs. This one's going to get deep. Now, while we're not in the series yet, understand something about this Old Testament place called Babylon is a New Testament spirit that we are battling against in today's culture. It is the Babylon spirit that is causing gender dysphoria, gender neutrality, and our young people are the targets. They are. Trying to make our young people different than what God made them. The second thing they did was they indoctrinated them. They taught them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And the same spirit is at work today in the educational system to indoctrinate children. Now, let me say this. Generation Changers Church fully supports the godly, good teachers that are out there pouring their hearts into our children's lives every day. We stand with them. We pray for them. As a matter of fact, when they go back to school this year, we are adopting teachers that most often have to pay for their supplies out of their own pockets, and we're going to buy those supplies for them so the burden will be lessened. We are in support of our teachers. But understand, in the system itself, the Babylon spirit is prevalent. Here's what's happening. History is being rewritten to create a false narrative or an alternate reality. Social and sexual education are being taught from carnal and cultural perspectives. There is now a push to provide pre-K care for our children for free. And let me tell you what's afoot there. The first five years of a child's life, they are most impressionable. They will learn more in those first five years than they will learn the rest of their life. It is a push, I believe, to get our children earlier to indoctrinate them into cultural norms, not giving the parents or the church the opportunity to build in them what should last for a lifetime. Understand this, Babylon, the word, means gate of God, but it comes from a root word in Hebrew that means confusion. Think about that for a moment. Gate of God, (coughs) pardon me, but its root is confusion. What seems to be godly, right, and good in the culture is confusion that is being created. And so many of our young people are confused about so many things because they're being bombarded with information day in and day out. Listen, my hat is off to the parents who are taking a stand in the school systems. You need to be involved in your children's education. My hat is off to the courageous parents who have chosen to homeschool. You know, that costs them a lot. It costs them at least one income in the family. It costs them in their lifestyle. It costs them in their finances. It costs them in their times. But you know what they tell me time and time again? Our children are worth it, Pastor. 
But we're going a step further by the help of God. Generation Changers is going to join the fight with starting GCA Primary School. Why? Because our children are worth it. It's an uphill climb. There's red tape and government stuff and agencies to deal with. It would be easier to walk away and say, let the world educate our children. But we can't keep sending our kids, hear me now, we can't keep sending them to Egypt's court for for education and then complain when they act like Pharaoh. We can't send them to Babylon school and complain when they act like Nebuchadnezzar. We can't complain about these problems. We've got to get involved in solving these problems. Why? Because our children, our young people are worth it. If you believe it, give God a hand of praise. Third thing they did was their attempt to corrupt them. The king put them on a new diet of food and wine from his own kitchen. Now, this seemed to be very kind, very generous. But here's the problem. There were things in the king's diet that were not allowed in the diet of a devout Hebrew in covenant with Jehovah. So it wasn't about changing their diet. It was about getting them to compromise their faith, to break their spiritual commitments to God. Today, our young people are constantly attacked in their faith commitment. And the legitimacy of their faith and the legitimacy of the God that they serve is being called into question on a regular basis. It's taking place as the world is trying to corrupt the children of God by getting us to participate in things that don't go along with our covenant with God. The fourth thing they did is they tried to distance them. What seemed like a simple name change was so much more. See, the word Daniel, his name meant God is my judge. But Belshazzar means Baal protect his life. Baal was the chief god among the Babylonians. Hananiah, which means Yahweh is gracious, was changed to Shadrach, which means the command of Aku, the Babylonian moon god. Michelle means who is like God, being Jehovah God. And Meshach means who is what Aku is. In other words, paying homage to the god Aku. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. But it was changed to Abednego, which is the servant of Nabu, the patron god of scribes, literacy, literature, wisdom, and vegetation. Now, it's interesting that the Babylon spirit at work in the culture today is driving so many young people to change their birth names. You seen it? Johnny wants to be called Buck or, or Sue. Of course, if you've been around any long time, you know never to name a boy Sue, okay? You can look that up in history. But they are trying to change their names to find an identity that will make them acceptable in the culture. That's the spirit of Babylon coming against our young people. Wow. The core of it all is to get young people to separate from their faith in God, question its legitimacy in the first place, and deny who they are. That's exactly the pressure today's young people are under. And if you refuse to go along, the punishment is fierce. For the pressure that you're under becomes the persecution that you face. Now, if it were not already obvious that they were simply trying to rip 
God right out of the hearts of the young people. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3 and see the true colors of the Babylon spirit. Then a herald shouted, people of all races and nations, languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments, bow down to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. There we go. Worship government, not God. Worship the culture, not Christ. Pay your homage and allegiance to us, not to a higher power. See, in the attack that is going on against the young people, there is a push for conformity. It's interesting that they call people of all races, nations, and languages. Remember, I told you King Nebuchadnezzar was bent on world domination. So there were more young people that had been captured, more hostages, if you will, to ensure the posterity of the kingdom of Babylon. And he calls them to recognize only one authority. No individual sovereignty, just consolidated authority. While the culture makes it seem to our young people that you're becoming an individual when you embrace all of these things, you really aren't. You're not being accepted for how God made you. You must become what they say to gain their acceptance. But it's all to get you to bow and swear your allegiance to what's happening in the culture. And it's interesting that music played a huge role. When you hear the sound of the different musical instruments, bow down. Let me show you just three photographs that illustrate what I'm talking about. Show me the first one. This is music. Show me the next one. This is music. Show me the next one. This is music. All of these are musical artists that are incorporating the dark arts, witchcraft, and Satanism in their music. And they're very popular artists among many. Here's the thing. What was once hidden and what was once suggested to our young people is now an all-out call to worship. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Young people, you, you need to listen to me. The culture is not affirming you. They are evangelizing you. Yeah. Wow. They are like the predator that is grooming the victim for their purpose. That's young people under fire. The call is for you to conform, to bow down to an idealism. And the price you have to pay is compromise. The Hebrew boys knew the first rule, the first law of God was, you will have no other gods but me. And it was spelled out specifically in Exodus 20 and 4, you must not make for yourselves an idol or any kind of image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream where he saw this big statue and part of it was gold, part of it was bronze, and I think part of it was brass, if, if I'm correct in, in what I'm meaning. But in each stage, there was a metal that was less valuable than the other. And Daniel interpreted this, this dream for Nebuchadnezzar to tell him, your reign will one day come to an end. Your influence will one day fall. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He builds a statue of himself and covers it all in gold. It was a defiant move to say, this kingdom's not going to fall. I'm going to rule and reign forever. 
And so the call was to bow down and worship this image. But for a Hebrew, it was not allowed. They would have to compromise their faith and their relationship with God. Listen, it just goes to show you, you can't adore the Lord and appease the culture at the same time. Can I put it in natural language? You can't be married to God and date the culture. I can't be married to my wife and date anybody. Because as Garth Brooks once said, one of us ends up in the graveyard and the other in the pen. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I stay with her out of love, but there's an ounce of fear there. Okay? Got a healthy respect for that strong woman. Love her with all my heart. But I can't enjoy being married to her while I'm dating everybody else. And it's hard to enjoy your relationship with God when you're trying to hold on to everything but God in your personal life. Understand, the call for conformity will always call for compromise. And don't dare refuse because the penalty is cancellation. Watch this. Here we go. Can't get any more canceled than this. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Canceled. Okay? We talk a lot about going through the fire. I've even been known to sing about it a time or two. Because it's one of the three songs I still remember the words to. That's why I sing it when I sing. But understand, this is not a fiery trial they're going through. This is a fire of persecution. This is the culture unleashing on them for their nonconformity. And it's no coincidence that the Babylon spirit in the culture pushes a culture of cancellation. It's the same thing as it was then. If you do not conform, if you do not comply, if you speak out against, you will face cancellation in today's culture. But the reason, hear me now, that the culture seeks to cancel you is because it's not equipped to confront you. I don't think y'all hear me this morning. <laughs> the reason it seeks to destroy you is it can't debate you. That's why when today's culture hears something different than what is culturally accepted, they scream, yell, and run away. Why do they run away? Because they have no solid ground on which to stand. Understand when the culture seeks to cancel you, they are admitting they are ill-equipped to deal with you. And they don't have enough faith in their own argument to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with you and talk truth. That's the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of cancellation. Listen, I know, it's, I know it's tough, the pressure you're under and the persecution you face. But hear me when I say that neither the pressure nor the persecution will ever equal the promise you have in God. Hear me. Everybody in the kingdom bowed down except Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. The king was angered. Yet not wanting to kill them, he gives them one more chance. And if they do not comply, he says, you're going in the fire, boys. And he said, and what God can rescue you from my power? Watch what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you. Can I give you all a word? Quit trying to have debates with, with uh, you know, quit trying to have a battle of wits with people who are unarmed. Okay? It does nothing but frustrate you and them too. Oh, king, we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to go out and attack the culture every day because the culture is attacking us. Watch this. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Well, you asked. (laughs) But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That's moxie right there. That's not young people under fire. That's young people on fire. Are you hearing me? They still refuse the bow. The king has them seized and they bind them, tie them up. They throw them into a furnace that is heated seven times hotter than normal, so hot it killed the men who threw them in. And so they enter the fire. I'm talking to the young people of this church today, telling you that you might go in the fire, but the promise is there's another in the fire. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men, that's important, and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god to me. Now, let's just be honest. Today, if you are in a fire of your own making, you're probably going to get burned. If you're going through a fire because of disobedience or you're running from God and he's trying to draw you to him, this is probably going to be a little stuff involved in that for you. But if you are in a fire, not because of the wrong, but because of the right for which you stand, be of good cheer. (laughs) Because if you've chosen to stand for God, any fire you walk into, he's already there. Hallelujah. Face every day with the confidence of knowing when you stand for God, he will stand with you. you may, they may intend to watch you burn. Hear me now. But the good news is the only thing that will burn is the ropes they tried to place on you. See, I've preached for years about what didn't burn. And man, you know, their bodies didn't burn. Woo, hallelujah. Their hair wasn't singed. Praise God. They didn't even smell like smoke, the preacher would say. I mean, you can just preach all kinds of stuff that preaches good on that. Some of it's not in there, but it preaches really good, okay? I'm more excited about what burned than what didn't burn. They already knew God was going to be with them. They already knew God was going to protect them. But what they didn't know is that when they went into the fire, whatever the culture put on them was the thing God was going to burn off. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? 
See, they may try to bind you and throw you in the fire and cancel you, but the only thing that's going to happen, my friend, when you go through the fire, God's not going to punish you. He's going to promote you. He's not going to bind you. He's going to set you free. The fire of persecution will serve only to validate God and his children. Anytime you are persecuted for the gospel's sake, give him glory, give him praise, because the only thing that's going to burn off is everything the culture tried to put on you to begin with. He was showing them what the culture has to offer you can be destroyed, but what I have to offer you can never be destroyed. Come on, somebody. We are serving a God that blesses us in ways that can never be taken from us. Wow. I've got to hurry in case that interstate's still closed. Here's the good news. You can never cancel a child of God. God says, I've engraven you on the palm of my hands. I'm holding you and no man can pluck you out. No culture and no king can ever tear you away from the heart of God that loves you unconditionally. The third thing I want to say is this. The only way to survive is to stand you would think that survival would have been depended on bowing. But hear me, it's not the path of conformity that leads to your safety. It's not cultural compromise that brings you divine favor. It's standing up and not bowing down that ensures your future. See, young people, if you just conform to the culture, you will fade into history. But if you choose to stand for God, you might be one of those that makes history. That's what happened to them. If they had bowed down, they would have faded into history and we wouldn't know their names. But they stood up and thousands of years later, we're still talking about the heroes that didn't bow down. If you really want to be something special in life, then take a stand for God. Come on, help me out, somebody. You can literally impact the culture that's trying to destroy you. Watch this. When Nebuchadnezzar sees this, he says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship a God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation, or language, remember earlier, they called for conformity to worship the idol. But he says, now if any of you speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned to heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. You having the courage to take the stand for your faith only shows the world there is no other God like this God. Wow. I want to leave all of you with these encouragements today. Number one, especially to the young people, be convinced of what is certain. Don't trade what's true for what's new. The Bible is filled with ancient divine wisdom that comes from God, and it far supersedes any cultural narratives. And when it comes to your gender, God doesn't make mistakes. You are who he created you to be, and he loves you the way he created you. You don't have to change to gain his love. 
Secondly, choose character over culture. When they tried to get these boys to eat the king's diet, the Bible says Daniel refused to defile himself. And when you are approached by your friends who are going with the flow in the culture, when you're approached by those influencers to try to get you to break covenant and and do things outside of your commitment to God, choose character over culture. We have that choice, just like Daniel, not to defile ourselves. You can choose to maintain your integrity, to do what is right, even when what is wrong is the popular thing. Third, be courageous when you're challenged. Why? Because you're not alone. Now, this doesn't just start with bowing down to the big things. This starts with not bending to the little things. Church, be careful. I feel a loving warning in my heart to tell you, be careful. We are bending to too many little things. The diet, the name change, the education, all these seem little. And if they had bent to those things, it would have conditioned their knees to bow to big things. Don't bend to the little things. Be courageous and stand your ground even in the finer points of what's going on so that when it comes time and the world calls for conformity and allegiance, your knees just won't bend because you've conditioned them to stand. And last but not least, be confident of who you are in Christ. Hear me. You are not what the world says you are, and you don't have to be what they want you to become. You don't have to change your name, your sex, or even your mind to conform to cultural norms. You are children of the Most High God, and that's what makes you unique. That's what makes you stand out. That's what makes you special. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You know the reason I'm special is because my Father is special. Now, some of you who know him, you might be thinking about my literal earthly father right now. But I can tell you just because he was special didn't make me special. I used to get compared to him all the time and not in good ways. Because he's lived long enough to walk in such grace. And I used to tell him if he wouldn't set the mark so high, it wouldn't be so hard. I'm not special because my earthly father is special. And he is. But what makes me special It's my heavenly father who's special. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? What makes you special is who your father is. You are children of the most high God and you have his approval. You don't need the culture's acceptance. You've got God's favor. You don't need the world's favor. You are children of God. You are unique. You are one of a kind. You are special just like you are. Let, Let who God made you be shine in a culture of darkness. Don't go to the darkness from the light. Let your light shine so that men may see your good works and glorify your Father. There is no God like this God. Just remain standing. Pastor Blake is coming to lead us in a time of prayer. Young people, if it's okay, we're going to start with y'all today. We want to pray with you and pray for you. Your church loves you and supports you. And we will not stand by and let the devil beat you up. We will come and rescue you if needs be. But you remember, 
if you don't see one of us and you're going through the fire, Jesus is right there. Get ready to get free and be an example of what it's like to serve a living God. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today at Generation Changers Church. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. GC can now be your home church no matter where you live with GC Church Online. Watch weekly messages wherever you are with family and friends. Join our online family today by texting the word online to 615-488-7151. And let's do life together. If you would like more information, please visit gcchurch.tv. And special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or texting the word GIVE to 615-375-4286 or by going to gcchurch.tv and clicking the GIVE tab. God bless you and we'll see you next week.